Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. We're going to take you to the story of Ruth. We're going to go into the story of Ruth, just the first chapter. Ruth is just got to be one of my favorite women in the Bible. And there's something about Ruth. I'm not going to tell you how to get your Boaz. I'm not going to tell you how to find your Boaz, nor I'm going to say where Boaz is. All I'm going to talk about is Ruth. That's it, period. And why she fascinates me. There's something about the story of Ruth that really, really kind of digs deep into my skin about who I am as a person who stands today. The Ruth, the story of Ruth takes place during the time of the judges. And it's about a married couple named Naomi and Elimelech. And how uh, they traveled to um, escape a famine. And they traveled with their two sons. They settle in pagan Moab. And there is where Elimelech died, the father of the home. They escape the famine, go to Moab, and the father of the home dies. The two sons do the very thing that Moses told them not to do, and marry, marry. they ended up marrying women from Moab. Soon after, the sons die. Naomi gets word that the famine is over and she begins to make her way back to Bethlehem, the house of bread, with her two daughters. And in the middle of walking back to Bethlehem, she turns to her daughters and says, yeah, yeah, maybe it's best if you go back home. Don't follow me. Orpah leaves. Ruth clings. And Ruth immediately takes up ownership. Ruth immediately wanted to change her membership from her pagan God to the God Naomi was was, uh, worshiping. She no longer wanted to be part of where she came from. And this is the scripture where I wanted to start off on, is Ruth 1, verse 19 through 21. And it says this, When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole city was stirred because of them. And the women asked, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, sweetness. Call me Mara, bitter, for the Almighty has caused me great grief and bitterness. I left full with a husband and two sons, but the Almighty has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, since the Almighty has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? You know, it's been a long trip, and I'm thinking Naomi and Ruth makes this long trip down, and she's approaching Bethlehem, the place where she has come from. People haven't seen her in a long time, but I'm pretty sure they had the 411 on what happened to Naomi. And she was like, don't come for me. Mm-mm. Don't come for me. And there can be some inappropriate questions we, even as church members, would ask people as they walk into the door. I am imagining some people from Bethlehem may have asked inappropriate questions to Naomi who was grieving the loss of her husband and her two sons. Inappropriate questions like, how are you? Hmm. Questions like, oh, I understand how you feel. Questions like, oh, you gotta be strong. God only takes the best. Let me know if you need anything because the reality is I'll never call you, but if you feel like I need something, please come. 
every right to be angry. But the more I read this chapter, the more the words stick out on me. Although Naomi came from a place of bitterness, she acknowledged the almighty hand of God. You know, women, when our husbands come home, we'd be like, you know what your son did? You know what your daughter did? Naomi didn't walk up on there and she didn't say, you know what your God did to me? No, she claimed the almighty hand of God is her own. This let me know that she was going to be okay. She knew the giver of it all. The last verse reads this. Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrive in Bethlehem in late spring, the beginning of the barley harvest before we pray there's a Samoan proverb that says which means there's something powerful about not one beam but two beams when they hit together we have these Samoan houses that are built with no nails and it's not so much in the power of how these things are intricately made the power comes from when that beam meets another beam and they cross paths. Naomi and Ruth were entering Bethlehem together. Something powerful about two women standing together. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered in his midst. He is in our midst. Where two or three are gathered, he is in our midst. Let us pray. Today's title of today's sermon is fix your face and go eat. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, you are my strength. You are our redeemer. Open our hearts and minds, Lord, so that at the end of today's service, we would all claim, I have been with the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fix your face and go eat. Maybe many of you don't know where that term comes from, but I believe I remember growing up in my household. And it was a common thing said to us. Like, after a moment of discipline, my dad would say, yeah, fix your face and go eat. That meant you, you no longer had permission to stay angry long. He would say, yeah, come kiss daddy. Fix your face, meaning I had to smile in front of him and go to the table and go eat. I mean, it's easy to just probably smile after a cry, but to eat and cry, that took a lot of skill. But it was said so often that one time I was like, let me, let me try this on my kids. I said, you better fix your face and go eat. They laughed. They had no idea where that term come, came from. But it was so commonly said in my home that automatically I would just fix my face and go eat. Because, you know, in our culture, food just solves everything, just makes us feel better. We were not allowed to hold our anger too long. Through the story of Ruth, fixing her face was something she was used to doing. I began to wonder, how did Ruth walk to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law bickering the whole way? I mean, that was like, uh, I read through it, that was like at least a two-week journey. A two-week journey where we, they had to go to Bethlehem. And you would think the bitterness would have just kind of rubbed off on Ruth just a little bit. 
But no, Ruth made up her mind of three things. Point number one, I'm just going to explain three. This is quick, so make sure you grab it. She accepted her assignment. Tell your neighbor, accept your assignment. I looked through the story of Ruth, and you just, you got to stay with me. I believe Ruth was Samoan. I believe in my spirit she was Samoan. And let me show you the proof that I think that she was Samoan. First five verses of the Bible. There are two weddings and three funerals in one family. She's Samoan. Point number two, why I think she's Samoan. There was this loyalty that she had to her mother-in-law. Like when we get married, oh no, you don't just marry the spouse. You marry the whole family. I mean, it comes with the parents, the brothers, the sisters. When you get married, you got to accept everything. When you think about it, I read through it. Verse 16 says, Ruth made a declaration. She says, do not urge me to go back there. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you live, I live. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. When islanders get married, we make the same declaration. We say, wherever you go, I go. Wherever you live, I live. Your falavilaves, my falavilaves. Your crazy family, my crazy family. You in debt, we in debt together. That's the declaration we make to ourselves. Ruth had made up her mind. There was a loyalty factor that she held to. She accepted her assignment. The third reason why I think she's Samoan is because, I'm going to call her Auntie Ruth, is she didn't do a lot of talking. Like when there is work to be done, you are forbidden to talk. Sitting at the dinner table, guess what? You ain't talking, you just too busy eating. Through the whole scripture, you barely see Ruth saying anything. She was all about making sure that her work showed everything. And that's when she won the favor of so many people. Ruth accepted her assignment, but she also remembered the God who her assignment came from. She remembered the God of plenty. She remembered the God who never forsake her. She remembered the God who supplied every need according to her riches in Christ Jesus. Ruth remembered all that God had done. Ruth remembered all that God had brought for her. And whatever he had done then, she wanted to bring whatever God did there into the presence of right now. Sometimes we forget what God has done that all we see is this right here. No, Ruth was like, I remember the God of plenty. So whatever you did here, God, do it for me right now. She knew. She knew him. She made sure her face matched the promise. Sometimes we often walk around as if our face matches our problems more than the promise. You're in between jobs. Does your face match the promise? Your marriage is going through a tough season. Does your face match the promise? You receive a port from the doctor. You think, man, does my face really match the promise? Our gas tank is empty, and so, do, so is our account. Does your face match the promise? You know those kind of people that you just don't want to say, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. I do not ask, how are you, to certain people. I just be like, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. Because why? They, their face matches their problems. You can only be around that too long. You can't be around that too long. Ruth got it. She knew 
She fixed her face. She knew what was coming at the end. Auntie Ruth walking into big spaces. Man, she had big spaces to fill. She walked into big spaces God created for her. She was scared to walk there. I just kind of imagined Ruth being a foreigner, coming to a place where nobody, nobody wanted to be her friend. But yet she trusted where God was taking her. These were big spaces for her to fill. Understand, family, God has written your name in spaces. You have no idea where your feet are fit to fill. Understand that. When you walk into spaces for the first time, you got to imagine, although it may feel uncomfortable, although it may seem a little awkward, although you may not know anybody there, perhaps people that sit at the table just seem a little bit higher than you. Just remember, God has already been there first. He's prepared it. He looked at every, he go, oh, Paula going to be walking in here? Guess what? She going to need A, B, C, D kind of people here. So we're going to have to demote E, F, G, H to the general seating area. Because you got to understand the people that have been walking with you all your life, they're not going to be VIP in that next space. God's going to put people in there that's going to push you through. Auntie Ruth, she took inventory of all the things that she had to go through. Ever wonder, because this came up in my preparation, ever wonder why you go through the same thing over and over and over? I was a daycare provider one time, and I was uh, given the same parent over and over and over you know, that kind of parent that doesn't obey the rules, that just does whatever they want to do. And I was like, yeah, you can't be part of my daycare. And I would just terminate them. Next one come along, same person. I would just terminate them. I was like, yeah, I ain't about, I ain't about that space. But knowing all along God put them there, not because of them, to help refine me. And until I can be refined from that person, I can't go to my next assignment. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to bring that same person back around because I haven't learned the lesson. They're going to come recycled in different faces, in different spaces, in different forms until I have learned the lesson. Ruth, she was ready. Be faithful in the space you are in right now. I was looking and thinking about seasons in which you live. You know, you just pray that God would bless you in different ways. We were, for a while, living paycheck to paycheck. And that can be like, I mean, which is fine. Thank God you have a paycheck, right? But there was no cushion for anything. Nothing. And you're like, man, Lord, just bless us with a better job. Just bless us with a better house. I promise I'll just honor you with everything. And why are we in this dry season? What is taking so long? Why are we still like being on this budget? And then God blessed us with a nice paying job, with a good income. And then you got to be careful what you pray for because... God's like, the only way you can be promoted is that you have to have been faithful in the small, right? So the big things come, and you're like, man, 
I got to pay my tithe and offering with this much now. We forget that when we pay for, pray for a higher income, guess what comes along with that? You got to pay your tithe and offering kind of go up too. God's like, if you can't be faithful in paying that here, you ain't going to pay it here either. So praise the Lord. Sometimes we also pray for like a higher mortgage and we get it. The first couple months is nice, and then it's like, man, maintaining this mortgage, it's kind of, kind of hard. But when you pray to God, he will be faithful in all of that because he knew you were faithful then. He will carry you through, through the rest. Ruth understood accepting her assignment meant trusting the one who is able to do it all. It doesn't say I can do all things through me who keeps me strong, right? It says I can do all things through him who gives me strength. To stay open to the movement of God. You must know what the movement of God feels like. You must know what it smells like. You must know what it looks like. You know, it's that kind like, I remember my kids when they were young. I only wanted to call them one time. Don't make me call you twice. They could be far across the field and all I have to say is their name one time and they will turn around with a quickness. Are you like that with God? Do you... Really, can you really define the voice of God when he calls out to you? Ruth understood. She knew what the movement of God looked like, what it sounded like. She knew to stay open to that. Accepting your assignment means a lot of things. It can mean not being everything to everyone as well. Accepting God's assignment for your life is also understanding that you can't be everything to everyone. Understanding that it's okay to have healthy boundaries, knowing that. I think Shaka Khan messed us up when she said, I'm every woman. It's all, no, I am not every woman. It is not up to me. God is the one who designed me. It is up to him. It's not up to me. I can't do everything you want me to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, accept your assignment of refinement. Yes. Staying open to the movement of God was a lot for her. Ruth was going to a nation who didn't want anything to do with her. She came from an idol-worshiping nation. Walking into Christianity was different from her. She was going to be a part of a nation that just didn't want nothing to do with her. Why would she go there? Why would Ruth go into a country that didn't want nothing to do with her? She was open to the hand of God. Why, would she, why was she willing to just face rejection? Why was she willing to go to a place that would just not even acknowledge her existence? That's too uncomfortable for me. To stay open to the movement of God, meaning God's going to, it's not even going to make sense. It's going to look a little crazy. That's how you know God sent you because the things that he puts in your life is going, it's just going to look like nonsense. A little crazy, but she followed through. She was a foreigner. She's like, no, no, I'm going, I'm going. God was using Ruth to bring racial harmony. Imagine that, that God would use someone who, who he tells his people not to hang out with 
to come over here and can you go over there and preach to my people about racial harmony? Doesn't make sense. But it made sense to Ruth. And she just obeyed it. God was using her in a big way. Allowed her to catch the eye of one of the richest bachelors alive. Boaz. He went, she went from gleaner of the field to owner of the field. Have you ever known anyone like that? Who goes and works for someone. All of a sudden she owns the house that she's been working at. Man. She was, she was open to the movement of God. She went over there as a housekeeper. And God's like, here's a note. Because you were faithful. So much. So much. There are places I feel like I have no business to be in. But when you are open to the movement of God, he will allow you to sit at tables you feel like you have no business sitting in. The movement of God will cause you move, to move into enemy territory, snatch you up a Boaz and grant you favor. Being open to the movement of God allowed Ruth to break through family and generational barriers. Ruth grew up with all kinds of limiting thoughts on the wrong side of the track. Ruth was just the kind of people your parents said don't hang out with. So when Uncle E came through with his two single sons, I can only imagine herself being made available. And yet his son was trying to hit on her and she's telling herself, I'm not worthy of a relationship like that. He comes from a different kind of breed. I don't know if I should be married to that, tied to that. People of her own country were probably telling her, oh, no, we got to stay on our own side. We got to stay with our own kind. Like, we don't deserve nothing like that. We don't deserve nothing good. All of her limiting thoughts probably just kept going in circles and circles. I think about ourselves, even as Samoans, we have limiting thoughts for ourselves as well. We go through life thinking the reason why we don't further our education is because there's no money. We don't have enough money. There's money. We just got to find it. I'm so glad I have a husband that knows how to look for money and where to find it. So many limiting thoughts that go on in our, our minds. Perhaps we're not good enough, strong enough. They're too good for me. I am not worthy. Those are limiting thoughts that keep us from going where God wants us to go. Ruth grew up with all limiting thoughts. She married into a family that would give her the comfort and the ability to live on her own. And then her husband dies. And so does the security and the future for her life, too. She was one known as the wife of a wealthy and revered family and to a penniless widow right now. The people in her town were probably teasing her with thoughts like, I told you to stay in your lane. You shouldn't have married him. Liberty thoughts can keep you from being the best that God wants you to be. Ruth was declaring for herself to be a bondage breaker in verse 16 and 17 when Naomi told her to go back home. As they were walking to Bethlehem, Ruth declared, I ain't going back there. I ain't going with you. I'm going to die back there. She made up her mind. She no longer wanted to be tied to her limiting thoughts that her people brought over her. I'm going with you. Naomi, don't make me go back there. The Bible says she clung to Naomi. Clung. Our limiting thoughts can stunt our growth. 
and the last point, she was getting ready to eat. She was getting ready for the harvest. She knew she was going to eat good. Have you ever gone to a function that you just knew you were going to eat good? Like you just prepared yourself. The food was going to be good. You said, I'm not going, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to work out. I'm not going to eat all day. When I go to that bed, I'm going to wear stretchy pants so that it can like, I can have enough room. That's how I felt last week when I went to my mama's church, Compton. Like we went to church. Church was over two hours, but I knew right after church, I was going to eat good. I knew it. I felt it. After church came, I was in a coma, sitting there, eating all that food. That's just, I think about Ruth. She had to do all the hard work. She had to do the labor because she knew she was going to eat good at the end. The Bible even says it as we go through chapter one. It says, Ruth and Naomi were walking into a new season. And as they arrived, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. God had brought them back to Bethlehem to the biggest harvest of the year. I can only imagine Naomi coming into Bethlehem, looking at the harvest, the beginning of the harvest. They must have been ready to just kind of fill their cupboards and make sure that they were going to eat for the whole year. But all Naomi could see was her grief. She stood there, filled, barley harvest. Don't call me Naomi. We too can be like that, standing in the middle of God's goodness and all we see is our mess. Don't call me Paula. Call me Mara. Okay. Imagine that. Sometimes we could see only what we want to see and then when our eyes are clear, we're like, man, I never seen God's goodness in that view. Coming into the barley harvest required a lot for them. It requires a lot of cleaning <laughs> of what's already in your cupboard and preparation. They were ready. Ruth and Naomi came in. They were ready of God's perfect timing. How much are we trusting God to help us get through? Are we fully relying on him for our every need to supply? Naomi stood there. And she didn't even realize how much she needed Ruth to carry her through. Standing in the midst of a harvest. It makes me realize, man, you got to really be careful of how you speak death around people around you. How you act, how you talk, how you walk, even around your kids and your family. As the pianist plays, as we close out here, Naomi stood <clears throat> and Ruth was ready. Ruth accepted her assignment. Ruth trusted the movement of God and she was ready to eat. She was ready to eat. I can imagine Ruth thinking about the last time she actually wore a face that may not have been appropriate around her husband. But all of that training ground took place when she stayed with Naomi. Naomi 
was such a big pillow for her when they lived together. I mean, Ruth probably watched everything Naomi did. Perhaps how she talked to her sons, how she cared for her husband, or perhaps even looked at how her, she was such a pillar of strength in her own community. And when it was time to go, Ruth was like, I don't know what Naomi has, but I want everything that she has. I want everything, the God that she serves, the God that has answered her prayers, the God that keeps continuing showing up for her. There's so many times where I was, we were stationed at our first base and being newly married, you know, if things didn't go my way, I was quick to just run away. I didn't want to hear what he had to say. I was just, I'm going to take my bags and go. I don't care no more. I'm going to go. And I just kept running away. And we stayed in Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is three-hour drive up towards San Luis Obispo. And all I would do is just cry all the way home. And then um, that was six years of living there, just running away and crying. And when I was more spiritually mature, I went back and drove that same path to our first base. And I'm like, how did I miss all of this water? How did I miss all of these beautiful flowers? How did I miss the goodness of God along this trail? How did I miss this ocean sunset? There was so much I saw on that drive when I was spiritually mature in the Lord, as opposed to when I was just, ah, ah, ah. God's goodness can be seen. We just got to remove it from our eyes. We just got to, sometimes we only want to see what we want to see, but God's goodness can be seen everywhere, everywhere. You can't outrun God. You can't outwork God, nor you can't even outlove God. God just simply loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Psalms 145, verse 14 to 16 says, The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their feed in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Only he can satisfy the desire of every living thing.